Hey, everybody, and welcome to Healthy Discourse. I'm very excited to invite my friend Jessica Hoddle to today's podcast, and I'm just going to encourage you to make sure to check out all of the wonderful resources that Jessica offers on her website and her books and on her podcast. She has so much to offer, so make sure you check out her links below so that you can take part in everything that Jess is doing. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Healthy Discourse. I am so excited for today's episode and to invite my friend, Jessica Hoddle, to our podcast. Hey, Jess. Hey, what's up? (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on today. And Jessica and I are going to be talking about thoughts, feelings, and truth. And I'm going to let Jess tell you a little bit more about her, but uh, we met Gosh, about four years ago, I want to say, at the She Works His Way Narrow Conference for the first time, and I'm so excited that she's now one of our influencers for Cross Training Couture, where we put truth on a tank, and she just is so full of wisdom when it comes to um, God's Word, as well as really you know, self-introspection and understanding what's going on within ourselves and kind of what to do with that. So Jess is a best-selling author, a faith-based fitness coach, and she has her own podcast at What's God's Truth. So make sure you follow her at all those things. I'm going to be linking to where to find Jess in the show notes. But Jess, tell us just a little bit more about you before we dig in. Yes, of course. Well, I'm excited to be here. So thanks so much for having me, Emily. And yeah, I we met at Narrow a few years ago through uh, Michelle Myers, and that has been such a treat for me. And I, I was just talking with Michelle how long I've been with Cross Training Couture, and it's been since the beginning, which I think is about eight years ago. So I have been through... Um, you know, a lot in my life, I think like all of us have as far as feelings, all of the things. And if you're anything like me, I was a girl that was an emotional roller coaster. Well, I can still tend to be that girl, but now I've kind of learned and reined it in and had this appreciation for what I feel because I always say now that feelings can lead us to wholeness and feelings should lead us to Jesus. And just to give you a little bit of a backstory about why I I was this girl of emotional roller coaster is I grew up in a home where I love you wasn't said, I'm sorry wasn't said, very distant parents with me and my brother and with themselves. And at a very young age, I had to learn to grow up, take care of myself, because if I wasn't going to take care of myself, then who was? And, you know, I truly believe that my parents did the best that they could with what they knew. But growing up in an abusive home led me to believe very specific things, what love looked like, what I thought I had to do to make it in this life, and what I thought I had to do in order to be loved, appreciated, and valued. And that led me down a very long journey of losing my virginity at a young age, finding my identity in men, trying to have somebody, you know, console me and take care of me. That led me to then, you know, starting my fitness business at the age of 22 and then finding my worth and identity in fitness at the same time of starting my business and working on my body more. I then became my my body, 
men and business became an idol. Mm -hmm. Let's put it at that. And what I didn't realize was I had spent pretty much 26 years up to that point of my life living in bitterness, anger, resentment. I deserve this self-righteousness, entitlement, and all the things, even after finding Jesus at 22. Yeah. Wow. That's an awesome intro for sure. And I can identify with much of that uh, myself, uh, specifically when it comes to the fitness side of things. And I mean, always kind of being an overachiever and, you know, always thinking that, you know, seeking perfection too, and what I thought about myself and how I found that worth for sure. And I think that now, you know, the world we, we live in now, it kind of works two ways. We, I feel even more so right now that what I'm seeing is we tend to identify truth by our thoughts and feelings and define our truth, right? Because mm-hmm. that's like a buzz term in culture is, you know, my truth and your truth and everybody has a truth. <laughs> yeah. Or we we push aside, we, we, we bury our thoughts and feelings because of whatever, just to try to avoid them. And that, that creates its own, um, you know, uh, dysfunction, we'll call it, or, or an inability to move forward and to walk through things. And both of them are very detrimental. So what do you think, like, in your opinion, what is going on in the world right now that's kind of driven us to these extremes of either I define it all or I've got to get rid of it all? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I think really, 2020 led us to these private moments with ourselves and we got in with ourselves. And most of the time, a lot of women I work with don't even create space to be with themselves. Therefore you're locked in a place by yourself, isolated, no church, no community. Now you're forced to be with all the feelings probably that you've never dealt with before. You've, we've been in a situation that you haven't encountered before. Maybe it's the kids being home, your husband being home. All of these things can spark triggers, so to speak, that we didn't realize maybe were buried or that were there or things that are just constantly causing us to react because most of us live in that fight or flight response, right? Of, am I going to flee? Am I going to stay? Am I in danger? And taking care of the most important thing Mm -hmm. right now. And going from the my truth to God's truth is we always want to justify what we feel. You know, today I created a post about hatred and justifying my pain, like my pain, justifying my hatred and saying, well, it's okay. And thinking that I can go and find a scripture just to prove that my hatred is real and justified because I see this happening a lot with scripture and people saying, well, I'm allowed to feel this way because I see it in the Bible, but really it's, well, no, not really, you know, because the fruit of this are the uh, works of the flesh is very clear that hatred is a work of the flesh and not a fruit of the spirit, no matter. And God's word doesn't contradict himself. So my truth, right? Our truth, if we're looking at our truth, yeah, we have experiences that are true, right? I grew up in an abusive home. That is a true statement but it's not Mm -hmm. the truth. Little T, big T. And we're getting the two mixed up, right? So my truth, I could easily have said, well, 
I'm angry and all of these people have done this to me. Therefore, I need to seek revenge or I need to repay evil for evil, right? I need to basically allow the world to give me everything that I've lost because that is my Mm -hmm. right. And that's kind of how we are now looking at people and our feelings and our emotions because we don't know how to process them or hold all of our stories without them becoming our identity and trying to justify them with our reactions. And I'm going to say this one, and a lot of people don't like it, but we have to take responsibility. And that was huge for me is taking responsibility for my reactions, my words, my emotions, and my feelings versus pointing the finger. She said this to me, and it Mm -hmm. made me mad. This happened to me. It doesn't take away from your experience. It it actually gives you this idea of like, I can actually go to Jesus now because it's me and him working on it and not me just pointing the finger. But when I can, if I can go to God's truth and go, well, what does God say about my hatred? What does he say about my unforgiveness? Because if I'm looking at God's word, he tells me to do something with it. And that law, he says, do not repay evil for evil. Cling to what is good. Hate what is evil. It's the complete That's opposite. That's so good. And and yes, I think what she said is so true. It is so prevalent. And what ends up happening is when we are defining our own truth and justifying it that way, we're really putting ourselves in the center and making ourselves God, whether we like it or not, that's what's happening. And, you know, we, we, we don't get to do that and we aren't capable of doing that. And that's not leading us to the good that he has for us on the other side of whatever the, the, this experience is and these thoughts and feelings that have led to this thing. Like you said, we, we have him to take them to, We don't need to elevate them to something that they shouldn't do. And so what, what do you, you know, thoughts and feelings are going to happen because we are emotional beings and God did create us this way. When we start to think and feel and we are feeling big things, what would you say are some of the healthy and productive ways that we can process and, you know, kind of dig deeper without either spewing them on social media and or attacking somebody else or, you know, some sort of big reaction, nor suppressing them and hiding them, which often in the end does end up boiling over and becoming the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think we realize how many voices we have speaking into us, which is one of the biggest problems. And, you know, we were scrolling on Instagram And we think to ourselves that, well, I'm just scrolling. It doesn't matter. But whatever you're scrolling, whatever story you're listening, and you're also hearing. And faith comes by the word of God, hearing, right? But doubt also comes by hearing. Fear, everything else still comes by hearing. And it's important that, one, we identify what voices are speaking into us, what what we're reading because that will influence how we show up. And something that I often challenge women with is what do they really believe about XYZ? Because we often take on, you know, other people's beliefs without realizing that this is their stand on this topic or this situation. But what what have I come to the conclusion of, you know, when it comes about this topic? And that's 
huge for people is, well, what do you believe apart from mm -hmm. what they believe? But that was kind of a side trail. I wanted to add That's on bad. two big things that for me, when it comes to not reacting and I, and I don't always do this well and people are gonna be like, well, that's it. It's breath and space. Breath is huge. That I is do that with my kids all the time. I go in a room and breathe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so, it really gets you back and it's, it also creates space, which is really like just time, mm -hmm. giving yourself time to not react. And this takes practice. But my husband will laugh because if I start breathing heavily, he's like, why are you breathing heavily? <laughs> or if he does it to me, uh, it's mainly just because we're on each other's nerves or something. And he, he knows like, so whenever each other breathes like this deep breath in, it's like, right, <sighs> you know, just taking a moment. But in all seriousness, we don't create space between our reaction. If we could just give ourselves a few seconds to be able to pause, breathe, and create that space, it would give us our, I mean, most of the time our reasoning part is shut down and we're led by our emotions because our physical body has been programmed to respond in a very specific way, according to past pain, past trauma, the fight or flight, sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system, all of that plays a role in our reaction. But the most important piece that I recognize is when I start to feel one way, I need to pause and not respond and take mm, a breath. That's good. And I, you know, I know for me, um, I, I, I'm not, I won't say I'm a control freak because having four kids, I've told Jess, like I have one home with me today. That wasn't, that wasn't planned. And I was at the ER with another one yesterday for three hours. So my control freakness has had to really um, you know, God's done a huge number on that, but still sometimes when I hear something or like, I realize, okay, I'm not, this child is throwing up. So I'm going to have a kid with me all day today. Like my initial feelings are very overwhelming. And I, I know, like, like you said, you'd have to practice, right? I didn't have to recognize, okay, this feels really overwhelming, but I know that in 10 minutes, I'm going to be fine. And I'm going to have a plan to get around all these barriers that are now in my way today. And, you know, I'll, this can be figured out. And this is not, this doesn't matter for eternity. And so it's all going to be okay. And um, it takes a lot of practice, though, right? You said that earlier. And just to be able to recognize it's okay, I'm feeling this. And here's what I know is true and what's going to happen and next, right? Versus just allowing the, the raw emotion to erupt, especially when that, when it involves other people. And we then end up creating situations that we didn't intend to that create a need for apologies and hurt feelings and all those kinds of things. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, and I, and I think that, to kind of piggyback mm -hmm. off of that. For me, I ask being willing to get curious, which I'll talk a little bit about later, but it's this re like asking yourself why. So why, you know, for your example, why am I upset that he's home? And then you go, it's because I think I won't get X, Y, Z done. So why is that important for today? Couldn't I just move it to tomorrow or, you know, the next day? It's just ability to kind of process and ask yourself, okay, why am I angry, you know, at the top level? And then you can kind of begin to break it down and go, oh, okay, well, 
I can just move this around or it's because I've been hurt in the past or it's because this person has said this to me. And it gives you kind of this also moment to be with yourself and Jesus and be able to, and I should say the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit and process in a way that gives you the compassion and understanding for yourself, that kindness, right? The fruit of the spirit of being able to express that. So for me, just asking yourself, why, why do I feel like this needs done today? Why am I angry? Why am I reacting to my kids? Why am I yelling or whatever it is? When you get to the why and ask yourself why, you can just keep going until you get to the root of yes, something. Yes, that's really good. That's really good. So, you know, wh- when we're starting to feel these things and we, you know, when we desire that seeking truth, how can we dig deeper, you know, whether it be um, a long-term hurt, like a, an emotion or a feeling that, or a thought about ourselves, even that comes up regularly, you know, how do we begin... Be, you know, asking those questions, it's great to dig deeper. How do we seek the truth in that, the truth, right? Like mm-hmm. my truth versus the truth, like we talked about earlier, how do we seek mm-hmm. the truth as we begin to dive deeper into what's actually happening? Yeah. Well, one thing that I always like to help women with is, so my truth of the anger, resentment, bitterness, hatred led me down a path that I couldn't escape physically. Cause we think when we bury our thoughts or bury our pain, or we're just like, Oh, time, time will make me like forget, or at least it will become less, less painful, so to speak is you might try to forget mentally, but physically your body doesn't forget. Mm-hmm. Like that goes into response with your parasympathetic nervous system and your sympathetic nervous system and all the things that create your body to keep going. The fight or flight, you know, the freeze, it all takes part. So whether you want to think about it or not, your body's thinking about it. And a lot of times it's happening in our non-conscious part of our brain. All of the information coming in will happen on the non-conscious part of our brain, which is where our identity is, our emotions and our feelings. But then it goes to the conscious part side of our brain, which is the logic and reasoning. And there's a lot of things happening besides you just saying, I'm not going to think about it. That's great. But eventually your body will feel it and experience it, which is probably why you might ask yourself, why do I keep feeling this way? Why do I keep yelling at my husband? It's not because you want to keep doing that. It's because something else is triggering you to do that. And I think when we understand this cycle and the most beautiful way our God designed our bodies to respond and to react, it helps us to then, again, have compassion and kindness in our stories so that we can take sadness to wholeness or anger to wholeness with God. And one of the biggest pieces of, you know, my truth, it led to destruction. It led to, you know, chronic illness. It led to chronic stress. It led to negativity and pessimism. When we think about lies and truth, yeah, my truth, that's true that I experienced those things, but my lower, my lowercase t led me to destruction and basically chronic stress and all the things that didn't produce Mm -hmm. life. But truth, the big T truth always leads to healing, redemption, restoration, reconciliation, and 
when I think about those two, they're very distinct. You can feel them physically. If we have joy, you can feel that physically. If you're, if you're happy, you can feel that physically. But if you're stressed, you feel that physically. You might have, you know, tight shoulders, upset stomach. You might be tired. But when you have joy, you might have great digestion. Um, you might just feel more energy. Our body responds according to our thoughts. So our life will also follow our most dominant thought. That is, that's, that's a great point. That's a great point. One thing I know that you like to talk about um, is taking thoughts and feelings captive. Can you talk a little bit about what that means as far as capturing those thoughts and feelings? Yeah, I think I always uh, think of the image. You're sitting down in a chair in a room with nothing else in the room besides a chair, a remote, and a TV. Now, you have the remote to the TV, and you are able to see the screen in front of you. And if you were to picture your thoughts coming on the screen, you have the ability to turn the channel. Meaning you don't have to watch whatever's on that channel and you don't have to sit there and get relaxed and, you know, oh, I'm going to sit here and just watch whatever show is playing. You actually have the ability to change the channel. And for me, I think about taking thoughts captive. It's putting your thoughts on trial. Is this truth? Is this a lie? What mm -hmm. does it breed? Is it hindering? Is it helping? But most importantly, does it breed hope? Does it breed death? Does it breed life? And we try to over-spiritualize this, I think, but it really is this ability to, I'm going to look at the screen and I'm going to take the thoughts captive on the screen and not take hold of everything, right? I'm going to put them into submission, but they're not going to become my identity. That's, good. That's really, really powerful. And it kind of comes back to what you were talking about earlier with, we have to take time to pause and, and to not you know, spew nor push it away. We have to sit there with it. And that's not always super comfortable. Um, and I think one of the reasons mm -hmm. that that is, is that it, we do have some fear around that. And, um, and, and it's kind of like, we, we don't want to combine fear of fear of dealing with it along with whatever that thought or feeling is. So let's talk about fear, because I think we can all agree that it's not something that's happening less in our culture. Fear is more prevalent than yeah. ever. I think we've seen that even throughout the last year, regardless of where you stand on, you know, everything that's happened with the pandemic. I think we can all agree that there was, a, there's a lot of fear and around many things that have happened over the last year. So how do we recognize fear as opposed to, um, you know, other emotions, because I think sometimes it can be tricky and difficult and it can disguise itself as um, other things, even something positive. Um, but when we really dig deeper, like you said, taking those thoughts captive and, and um, sitting with them, we can start to recognize that. So what are some ways, some kind of hidden ways that fear can look like? Mm -hmm. I think of fear kind of like this, if I break it down, when we have fear, I believe it's a trust issue. And I've learned this in my own life. And a trust issue comes down to identity. Do we really believe who God says he is? And do we believe our identity and we that we were made in the image of God? I think those two things, 
we need to answer for ourselves. Do I trust God? Do I trust him at his word? Or do I trust the world and its systems more? Now, I'm not saying that we be naive and we ignore our senses and things like that. I get it. But it really does, fear, when we think about it, come down to trust and our identity. And we have to think about, well, what has fear produced in your life? It's probably caused you to question other people and their motives. It's caused you to look at your neighbor as somebody that's bad or that's out to get you or that doesn't care about you. Fear creates alternate realities that don't Mm -hmm. exist. And that's so important for us to think about because when we're in our heightened state of fear, everything around us becomes danger and it's a threat. And again, it goes back to, we think people don't care. They're out to get us. You know, we start to trust in the world's way and its systems and all of these things. But really it's this idea. I think fear causes us to question more than anything, question our purpose, question our call, question people, question their motives. I mean, that really is, but that how it creates alternate realities that don't exist. Fear takes precedent over our rationality. When we have fear, we can no longer think logically or with reason. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that I think has happened a lot in isolation over the past, you know, year. And I think that it's more prevalent and relevant than ever that we are seeing how important community is, especially when it comes to um, biblical community and, and those that will point you back to Christ and, or are trustworthy to help you see and seek the truth um, versus, you know, somebody that's just going to egg you on because those are two very different things you know, a trustworthy friend who's yeah. going, who you're asking them to point you and to find the holes in, in what you're saying or to help you find those things where you're overly emotional and help you to process and figure that out and point you in the right direction versus someone that's just going to, you know, say, oh, well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, um, yeah. Those are two very mm-hmm. different things. And I think if we've learned anything, you know, we are not meant to do this life alone and it's important to have conversations. It's important to um, include others in the struggles that, and the feelings that we're having in order to help us to process them. I mean, I know personally, I'm an out loud thinker and what I mean is I, you know, when I'm sitting with my team and we're, you know, planning I literally cannot fully process things in my brain. (laughs) I have got to say them out loud and I'll go on this whole tangent and I'm like, no, never mind. That's a terrible idea. And, um, but it's like, I have to process it out loud. And I think there are many people like that, but we're having fewer and fewer opportunities to do that because of yes, all the circumstances of the last year, but also just our, our more digital world where we feel so connected, but we're not. And so I think that's one of the things Mm -hmm. that we need to encourage one another and to be that for one another too, to be that solid friend who is helpful and um, can help point people to 
the truth and also to seek that for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that for me, I realized it seems that social media has become a God for many people. It's their source of truth. It's their source of letting out everything that they feel and showing every detail of their life. And you see the rise and fall of so many influencers and all of this thing. And I think social media has really mistaken that place of community. It's a false sense of community. You know, these people don't know us day to day, what we do And I think you're absolutely right about finding the people that challenge the way that you think versus saying, yeah, you deserve this and you have a right to be sad and angry and, you know, versus really helping us to say you're sad. Okay, let me come alongside you so that we can lead this sadness to a different direction, not so that I can go out and hurt other people or not so that I can go out and promote an agenda or not that I can go out and do other things. But I want your sadness to lead you to wholeness. And I think that that is so important to find those people. Uh, Yes. Yes. And amen. (laughs) Jess, I'm so grateful for your time today. And I'm so thankful for our friendship and I know that you will always do that for me when I have a question or something I'm struggling with. So um, I will definitely post in the show notes where you can find everything that Jess does. I'm sure that you're speaking to so many of our listeners today that would love to hear more of, of your, of, of the truth that you do, you dig deeper and you, um, aren't afraid to go into some of these sticky areas. And I love that about you and how you encourage. So thank you again for your time and, um, we'll catch up next time. Thanks so much for having me. Bye.